Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into Hoopsville. We are back on the air after the Thanksgiving holiday. Hope you uh, enjoyed your Thanksgiving as much as we enjoyed our Thanksgiving. A little bit of rela- uh, rest and relaxation before things are going crazy. If you have tuned into the preseason podcast, if you have tuned into the first couple of shows, you'll notice one thing immediately different about our show tonight. We resurrected the video. It's back up and running. We've got our webcam up and running to a little bit of a refashioned studio. You may also notice that. It's still a work in progress. Our friends who made our lovely Hoopsville sign will be a little bit frustrated right now. It's still buried. Don't worry. Our plans are to move it up, as it were, uh, in the coming weeks as well. We've gotten a bunch of jerseys over the years. They are now spread out around the uh, Hoopsville studios. Uh, We've moved a couple. We've uh, framed a few, uh, shifted a, a few things here and there. So we hope you like it. Plenty more room to fill in, believe it or not, and we plan on filling it in. That will be the easy part. Um, There's a lot of little things here and there that we got to find a home for, and we will find a home for them. So enjoy the Hoopsville Studios as they are now. They are a work in progress. We say this all the time. If there's any Division III uh, schools out there, programs or whatnot, who want to send us something to hang or put in our studios, send them along. We will find a home for it. Uh, and if we don't find a home for it, we will. if we have too much stuff, we will start rotating. At least that's the grand plan. So we do hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Welcome back to our normal Hoopsville shows. We have a, a little bit on tap. We don't have a lot trying in these early season shows to pare down a little bit so we can talk more about what's going on. However, we will talk about the fact that this is technically our 15th season of Hoopsville. It's the 20th season of D3Hoops.com, or the 20th anniversary, I should say. It makes it technically the 21st season of D3Hoops.com. Pat Coleman will join us. We pulled him out of football temporarily. We, we said, you know, take a break. There's really nothing going on in football. It's there, it's not that exciting right now. We re- You don't need to spend your time there. So uh, come and talk to us. He disagreed about the first part, but agreed about the second part. He is going to join us and talk to us about... Um, the story of D3 Hoops. I don't know if you've heard the story about how this all started. I'm going to get Pat to tell us. Um, it's a great story how it started, where it's gone, and, and where it's going in the future. We'll talk to Pat coming up. Uh, we'll also talk to one of the teams who it was on my radar and I didn't know what to make of. Uh, picked to win the Liberty League. I went, okay, sure. Uh, I'll take that. But what does that really mean? Well, they've knocked off two top 25 teams in their opening two season, uh, games of the season. Yes, we can argue about what the top 25 looks like on the men's side. I, I, we will talk about that briefly, uh, or not briefly, but we'll talk about that in a moment. But they did knock off two top 25 teams to start the season. We will talk to the Hobart Statesman, men's basketball program. Tim Sweeney will join us to talk about that. You might remember, if you know D3 Hoops for 20 years, Tim Sweeney was a player under Mike Neer at Rochester. It's those little things that we are reminded by uh, throughout. So thanks. Uh, we'll talk to him. Then we're going to go down uh, down Charles Street, as it were, here in the Baltimore area. We're going to go down and talk to two coaches who have taken over two, taken over two programs who both had head coaches resign after 31 years. No, it's not WashU. we got to go to St. Louis for that. It's Johns Hopkins. Their head coach is Josh, Josh Leffler and Catherine Bixby will join us to talk about taking over those two programs in the business, we call that an evergreen interview. It's one of those where we felt we had to do it at some point this season to talk to them. We wanted to talk to them earlier. And, and being the fact we can drive very easily down there and take care of that, we did. So we will, you will hear from both of those coaches coming up. Plus, we'll talk about what has been another, another crazy 
week of Division Three basketball. I'm starting to get very, very used to things just being chaotic at the beginning of the season, and it's starting to work its way into the women's side. On the men's side, the number of losses in the preseason top 25 is staggering. We can make an argument that those losses are based on maybe that preseason top 25 not being incredibly accurate. Listen, I'm a voter in the top 25. I would be, I'd be lying to you if I told you it was an easy thing to figure out. It is not easy. Um, I think there are even more questions on the men's top 25 this year in the preseason than ever before. But the fact that the defending national champs, Babson, who had, what, four losses, three losses last season total, already have two in their opening five games of the season. They lost today to Bowden, 80-71. to That game was even more out of hand at halftime. They lost earlier, as we mentioned, on the last Hoopsville to Endicott, and they got a Becker win in between that. You also have Hanover losing to Worcester on Saturday night. Worcester had 12 blocks or something in that game. Their defense was ridiculous. Ramapo, we mentioned, had talked. They've at least gotten back off, off that, recovered and beat William Patterson in conference play this week. Middlebury looks darn good, but Wash U lost today to Mount St. Joseph. And I'm not saying we didn't expect Mount St. Joseph to be good. They were receiving votes in the preseason top 25, but Mount St. Joseph has an ugly loss earlier, which we'll talk about in a moment. They beat Worcester yesterday um, on Thanksgiving Saturday. 96-74. Wasn't even close. River Falls, we mentioned, had that loss earlier to start things off, but they've gotten back off and done well. North Central took a loss to Whitworth while out playing uh, in the Northwest. Lost by three. I believe that was in double overtime, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Lewis and Clark, uh, they got a win over easily, so at least got back from that. Marietta continues to look good. Claremont Mud Scripps is off to a horrendous start. Their preseason All-American, Michael Scarlett, is not playing, last I checked. We don't know why. It's something to look into. But their team is not coming together. They've lost to Whitewater to start the season, 82-66. Then lost to Platteville, 74-57. Then lost to George Fox, 91-73. And Puget Sound, 87-74. 0-4 start for Claremont Mud Scripps is not what the doctor ordered to start this season. Not a good sign. We don't know where their preseason All-American is. We'll try and figure that one out. Rochester's off to a decent start. Hasn't played a ton of great teams, though they did beat Stockton, but they lost to Hobart. Guilford took two losses. They lost Concordia, Texas. We then talked to them. They then lost to Averitt right before Thanksgiving. St. John Fisher is off to a 2-2 start with a loss, as we mentioned, to Hobart. Also lost to Hope, 97-86, but we kind of mentioned that one already. Uh, then defeated Worcester 90-57. to So Worcester has an interesting start to the season, as we mentioned. Um, Wartburg is decent start at 4-1. Cabrini, surprising loss to Denison, 90-70. to Scranton lost to York, 84-70 to earlier this, this start of the season. Um, but they also lost to Widener, 82-75, and lost to Wilkes, 52-45. Not sure what to think of Scranton at two and three. And then the receiving votes category is a mess. Susquehanna, one and three. Uh, Hope is two and two. Keene State is two and two. You can go down to MIT, which looked great. They beat Bridgewater State, Eastern Nazarene, and then beat a very good, tough squad, sixth in the country. Then lost to Keene State, 73 67. 
St. Norbert lost to Oshkosh. We mentioned that earlier on. Marietta and St. Thomas, obviously, in that conversation. So it's been a little bit crazy, to say the least, uh, in the men's top 25. New Jersey City, by the way, off to a 5-0 and start. But it's wins over Stevens, Gwinnett, Mercy, Drew, Rutgers, Newark, and Farmingdale State. I don't know what to, to make of those five. Now, they NJCU has got a terrific middle of the season. And Oswego has a loss already. Benedictine is 1-3 on the season to start. Their one win to Marion, but lost to Oshkosh, St. Norbert, and North Central to start the season. So it's just crazy in the top 25, and it's crazy outside of the top 25. Let's go back to Augustana. Augustana, the second-ranked team in the country, is 4-0 on the season. Beat Heidelberg, Calvin, Alma, Alma, and McMurray. They also played Illinois. Illinois was an exhibition game for Augustana. They lost, no surprise. But the bigger thing is they lost Warford. Now, you remember Warford played last year for about half the season, then was removed from the team. He, he may or may not have been removed from the school. I got an update on it. I honestly need to go look at that, but it's, it's irrelevant. The point was he wasn't there for the second half of the season. He's out. He tore his ACL in the Illinois game devastating. I'll say this though. I don't know if it's devastating for the team because they played pretty well without him or they had to adjust, but they played pretty well out without him after the fact. But the CCIW is going to be fascinating. Augustana, North Central. I think Carthage is going to be in the mix here. Illinois Wesleyan is looking good. CCIW with Warford's injury, I think opens up even more than it had prior. That's just on the men's side. Believe it or not, We've had some upheaval on the women's side of things, which definitely has been a little bit less of the norm, as it were. Whitman lost, uh, granted, to non-Division Three Eastern Oregon to start the season. Ohio Northern lost to Bluffton to start the season. Wash U, as we mentioned on the last show, losing to Wisconsin Lutheran. That was part of the craziness. George Fox upended Trinity, Texas. Marymount, we mentioned, lost early, has recovered and played well in their next two. DePaul just lost to Wash U 77-75. That's a tight game, to be honest. Puget Sound has a loss. Mass Dartmouth has a loss. Chicago is off to a 3-2 and two start, having lost to Illinois Wesleyan and lost to Rose Holman. Mary Washington is off to a horrible start, 1-3. Lost to Washington and Lee, lost to Virginia Wesleyan, beat Lehman, and then lost to Lynchburg. And it's not like those games aren't good. Lynchburg is certainly a good team. WNL looks like they're coming up, and, and, and the ODAC women are getting better. But Mary Washington, not off to the start. And I certainly do not want to say that their offseason distractions may have had anything to do with it. If you didn't read the Washington Post story, if you didn't read the student paper about what had gone on with the women's program and, and a case that was in front of them, it's worth listening reading. But I don't think that would have affected them to go off to a 1-3 and three start. Illinois Wesley, in the meantime, 3-2. and two. While they got the win over Chicago, they lost to Whitewater. They lost to Wash U, and they, then they beat Rose Holman. So there's a little bit of chaos on the women's side uh, as well. And then in the receiving votes category, Albright, 1-2. and two. Bethel, 3-1. and one. SUNY Geneseo, 3-1. and one. Florham, 2-2. Two and two. Florham lost to Ithaca and Connecticut College. George Fox is 2-2. Two and two. Lost to Bethel and St. Thomas. Moravian 3-1. and one. Maryville is 0-4. We just had Darren Trevilian on the last show. They were 0-2, had lost to Suwannee and Center. They then went on to lose to Westminster and Otterbein. Now, Maryville struggling, uh, very unlike what they're used to. They hadn't had a two-game losing streak under Darren Trevilian ever. 
Now they've got a four-game losing streak. Messiah looking good, though, off to a 4-0 start. Babson has a loss. Rose Holman's 2-3. Good wins, as we pointed out, but then tough losses. But they've also played a who's who of top 25 teams. Of the five games that they started, Rose Holman did of the season, four of them, the top 25 preseason teams. Marietta is off to a good start on the women's side. St. Norbert is 2-2. Two and two. Just a lot going on in Division Three basketball, and it's just surprising. And maybe we shouldn't be surprised. The preseason teams are going out and challenging themselves now more in the beginning of the season. The preseason, they're actually going out there and challenging themselves against D1s, especially on the men's side. But then in the early part of the season, teams are going out there and, and actually challenging themselves now. It isn't that long ago we used to talk about cupcakes, cupcake schedules. We still kind of see some cupcake schedules in some, some conferences, to be honest with you. But in others, we're seeing some real challenges now, some real, hey, we're going to go play some tough teams because it's going to make us better. It's going to make our strength of schedule better. It's going to make our opponent versus, you know, versus, results versus regionally ranked opponents better. It's going to make our opponent schedule better. There's a lot of conversations now about that, and we're starting to see it. As a result, we see more losses, too. Maybe a team goes and rattles 15 off after this, and it's irrelevant. We are off and running. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Hope you will uh, do so and join us. Plenty to talk about, to say the least. Again, coming up, Pat Coleman will talk about 20 years of d3hoops.com, uh, the one that started it all at d3sports.com. Of course, football followed and then I think it was baseball after that, and uh, now we have ice hockey as well. Obviously, we don't all work on those sites, but those are all part of the umbrella. And uh, per that and the passion for Division Three, we will warn you now programming. We're still trying to figure out this coming Thursday show. This is the cornucopia month for me. I figured it out. I'm going to be out of town for 14 or more days in the whole month of December. I'm covering soccer championships this upcoming weekend down in Greensboro, North Carolina. I cannot be in studio on Thursday. We're trying to figure out if we'll tape a show or maybe figure out something else. Uh, then a week and a half after I get back from soccer, I'll head back a similar road down to Roanoke Valley for the final Stag Bowl in Salem for the foreseeable future. As you all know, they are pulling out with basketball and football from Salem, they being the NCAA. So we'll go down there for the Gallardi Trophy pregame and everything we do in Salem. And then after Christmas, we're back at the D3Hoops.com Classic, jokingly called the Chuck McBreen Invitational Classic in South Point uh, Arena in Las Vegas. All of that makes for some interesting scheduling. So we hope to put a show together Thursday. We hope to be back in time to do a show next Sunday as well. We'll then put another show on the air Thursday and Sunday before we head out to Roanoke. We then won't have a Thursday show. Back in time to do a Sunday show. Do one more Thursday show before Christmas. We'll not do a show on Christmas Eve. Heck no. Then we're in Vegas. We'll be back and start things back up as normal January 4th. If you didn't follow, don't worry. We'll keep you abreast on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Again, you can follow us everywhere accordingly. Hope you enjoy the show. we got a lot up. Again, we have the uh, Hobart men's basketball coach Tim Sweeney coming up, and we'll talk to both Hopkins coaches coming up about changing the program after 31 years for both. Bill Nelson was there for 31 years, and Nancy Funk was there for 31 years. Speaking of which, Nancy Funk retiring kind of makes me chuckle a little bit because Messiah's women's coach um, has broken this, is now the sixth winningest coach in Division Three history, or active coach, I should say, active coach. Uh, Mike Miller broke that record during the Thanksgiving break. 
you, he almost has to thank Messiah alum Nancy Funk for retiring because she stepped out of that list, which had held him maybe down at eight or nine. And Nancy Faye leaving also allowed him to move up to sixth in the active streak in Division Three. But that said, he did win their, his 600th game. Uh, so hats off to Coach Mike Miller. Highly suspect we will be talking to him at some point. And we should point out uh, a lot of milestones taking place across Division Three right now. Um, and we'll try and keep our best uh, thumb on them as they were. If there's anybody out there and knows that we missed one or should mention one, tweet us, email us. You know the routine. Um, so hope uh, this all makes sense. And hope you're enjoying the show. Hope you're enjoying the kind of new look Hoopsville Studios. There's some of it that's very similar and some that's obviously changed if you're a longtime friend of the show. And more will change in the near future as we adjust and move some things and take some stuff that we have that we haven't hung up yet. You might notice a few jerseys. We've actually had them for a while. We just haven't hung them. You, know, you will find us moving things around and, and situating. So there you go. I hope you really did have a good Thanksgiving. I know we certainly did. Took a little bit of time away from basketball, to be honest, because of that cornucopia month coming up. I wanted to spend some time with the family who are rough and rolling here on Hoopsville. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Pat Coleman will join me to talk about 20 years of D3Hoops.com. And then we'll go into our coaching conversations as well. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, from the WBCA and ABC studios, of course, presented by D3Hoops.com. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. As always, hope you're enjoying the show as we are early into the season and kind of getting used to the Thanksgiving uh, tryptophan, getting that out of our system still. 
Uh, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. think I've covered it all. If I have not, I am sure you will find a way uh, to interact with us in some way, shape, or form. Of course, we're streaming on YouTube simulcast on facebook of course the show presented by hosted at d3hoops.com no surprise it always has been in its 15 seasons on the air but we had to have a home and that home already existed it was d3hoops.com i found it thanks to being a uh, diehard alum who's been public address announcer at my alma mater goucher now 23rd season found d3hoops.com thought it was pretty cool found the boards I was a college student, wasn't the best of my abilities then, but uh, certainly started to appreciate Division Three basketball. Got to know this guy named Pat Coleman. Unfortunately, he was at my rival Catholic, but that's a whole nother story. He had found D3Hoops.com to some degree, but the story's better than that. It's 20 years, folks. 20 years since that website launched, which feels like not that much time, and also at the same time feels like an entire lifetime. Joining us via Skype is Pat Coleman, editor-in-chief of the entire enchilada, for the lack of a better term. Pat, thanks for taking the time, sir. Well, thanks for having me on. And, and I was just thinking, when you said joined via Skype, I'm like, yeah, yeah in the old yeah. days, I would have had to drive my butt up to that studio in Towson or whatever yeah. and and do a thing over the, over the radio, basically, for lack of a better term. Uh, things have certainly changed and changed for the better, but it doesn't seem like it could possibly be 20 years, except sometimes it seems like it's really been 20 years. <laughs> no, no. My, uh, there's a lot of people who would say we've been doing this too long. Um, and some who may say we're not doing it long enough. You're right. The, the, the technology. I was actually looking at some pictures of you at the Goucher Studios where we were with our second studios. This is technically our third studio here at, at home. But 20 years, Pat, the story that you tell of how you started D3 Hoops or how D3 Hoops evolved let's call it better than that is a fascinating one i don't know if everybody truly understands it it's a shout out to a, a, com a conference commissioner who is still there but really you thought this was going to be a an easy thing to do didn't you <laughs> yeah so the the uh, genesis of this goes back to a website called division three basketball online which was run by steve ulrich out of this out of the centennial conference up in lancaster pennsylvania uh it started in the 95 96 season and into the 96 97 season and uh, i uh, I found out about it because I read about it in the NCA News, which back then was a printed publication, which yeah. would show in your athletic department yeah. on a on a weekly basis, I think, and uh, biweekly during the summer or something like that. Uh, I read about it. Uh, the web was new to me because this was 1996 or so. Mm -hmm. uh, I was just beginning to think about uh, how to put news and information on the internet for uh, Catholic, where I was working as a sports information director off and on at the time. And uh, read about this, thought it was fascinating. It became one of my bookmarks. I went there fairly frequently. Uh, during the course of the 90s, uh, where are we now? The 97, 98 offseason, or the lead up to the 97, fall of 97. Uh, I noticed that the website wasn't being updated. And, um, you know, uh, Steve and I had had some emails back and forth over the course of the year or so. I'd had some suggestions for him that he didn't really implement. Um, <laughs> probably because of time, I'm sure, being a conference commissioner and all that. And I said, you know, I couldn't help but notice that the website hasn't been updated lately. Would you be interested in me taking it over? And it seemed like 
a minute and a half later, I got an email with an enthusiastic yes, probably, as I remember it, all caps with an exclamation point. Um, and then immediately following another email with a whole bunch of file attachments and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, I was just thinking, okay, this is, this will be good. I can do this. Uh, we'll add women's basketball coverage and I'll do it for a couple of hours a night, a couple of nights a week. It'll be so much more updated than what was out there before and uh, things will be great. And then I realized uh, very quickly that, hey, here's this whole network of then about almost 400 schools of SIDs who are willing and enthusiastic about sending me information. It's like, okay. So then it became, um, you know, uh, probably 10 hours a week. And then it was like, oh, every night, hey, you know, it would be great if we had all the scores on the website. It's like, yeah, that would be a really good idea because the stuff that's in the newspaper in the, you know, the five and a half point type was really just not very comprehensive at all. So it was like put together a, a scoreboard every night and and highlights on the website and then uh, message board, as you mentioned, and columns and then, you know, you do this and we live broadcast and podcast and then now there's a football site and then there's a baseball site and then a hockey site and all these other things. And yeah, that's uh, that's 20 years in a nutshell right there. That's basically <laughs> how we went from uh, it not being done by me to be it being done by me and many other people and now being done mostly by the other people. Yeah, I mean, it's it's evolved, to say the least. I remember when you first called me. I think I don't remember if I was doing the show first or you called me to do a game with you. <clears throat> One of the two things happened first. The game, ironically, was at Catholic, did not feature Goucher. Probably, for our sake, a good thing. Um I know it took it seriously. I've now branched off and I'm now a broadcaster from that. I had the opportunity to do Hoopsville, and you finally realized we were serious. We used D3 Hoops on the show often because we would sit there going, hey, no one's read these scores online. We should read them for you. <laughs> Wait, you have read these scores online? Oh, our bad. Um, and you kind of realized we were serious and have helped us get off the ground, and now we're an entire other beast, as it were, that goes along with D3 Hoops. But, Pat, I mean – it's almost synonymous that, you know, D3 Hoops has existed. We've always gone to Salem. That will change. The future really has changed. We've kind of adopted that change, as it were, in the last couple of years. You, realizing that your time is valuable, uh, have dedicated time to football and, and let Hoops kind of go a little bit. A little uh, bit, folks. Trust me, behind the scenes, he can't let it go totally because we have questions. Um but seriously, they keep pulling me back in. They keep pulling you back in. Just when you think you're gone, we pull you back in. Um, but seriously, the the evolution of this website, it's not like we're going anywhere. This is 20 years. I'm sure it'll be around for 20 more. But but what has become is outstanding, Pat. <laughs> oh, just the thought of 20 more years is a, a, <laughs> a, a, a mind mixer for me for a second. Yeah, there, was a, uh, there was a time, uh, if you remember back when we had uh, 48 team tournaments in mm. men's basketball mm. and 50 team tournaments in women's basketball. Uh, it was right around uh, 2001 or so. There was this movement to start to expand them. And the thought was there, there was a timeline put out that by 2005 we'll have uh, in 2006, we'll have expanded tournaments, uh, expanded brackets in a lot of sports in NCAA division three. And at that point, I remember reading that and thinking, oh, wow, you know, 
we're actually going to be around when that happens. And there was a time in, you know, 2000, 2001 or so when the, you know, the tech economy just kind of went in the toilet and it's like, I was not really necessarily sure that we were going to continue to do this. I'd seen a lot of people who had similar type websites covering other niche sports, uh, some of them even covering other division three sports. And, you know, they just kind of went away because they, couldn't find enough money to do it or they couldn't find enough time to do it. You talked about my time being valuable. I think of it as my time being finite. I just could not do an extra 40 hours a week on top of the rest of my life from August through April. Uh, I could still do it from August through January and then help out behind the scenes and kind of dive back in in March when, you know, everybody could use a little shot in the arm. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, the, the thought that it's become this, longevity thing is really because of tireless dedication and not just by me and I'd mean tireless, but you know, uh, uh, with Gordon joining very early on back in 1999 or so, uh, people like you and then people who have come and gone, who kind of provided that shot in the arm for several years and then went on to other things in their life. Um, and you were talking about broadcasting, for example, Think about all the people that we broadcast with. I every once in a oh, while I see I keep seeing John Sadak's name, former Rowan broadcaster yeah. who's doing stuff for Westwood One. We've talked about Joe Davis multiple times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've got other guys who are, uh, you know, uh, Wayne Randazzo who we've done stuff with is doing uh, studio work. Mm-hmm. Uh, was with the Mets now with the Cubs or vice versa. I can't remember which. Um, people all over the place that we have worked with and who continue. To have a love for Division Three, and yet we have, uh, you know, we've continued to find more people to help us do this website because it is like the student athletes. It's a labor of love for them, and it's a labor of love for us. I mean, people get money, but not a lot because <laughs> no. not a lot comes in. I don't have a lot to give out, but uh, it's just basically the 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 way it is, and it's kind of a Division Three model, and that's sort of okay. When, sort of. when you look back at 20 years so far, this might be a hard one. By the way, something you tweeted earlier today kind of caught me that your oldest turned 20 a couple of days ago, and now this has turned 20, and I shivered at both because that actually gave it a kind of a reference. Okay, 20 years, great. Wait, yeah. your oldest is 20? I remember yep. when she was uh, – he. Uh, oh, geez, Pat, 20. <laughs> like, it hits you. Um, but what's your what might be your favorite memory? If you Can you have a favorite memory from these 20 years? <laughs> Dave, I can have one favorite memory. Think about it for a second. Yeah, that was an easy yeah. one. Easy one. Getting, to, getting to call my alma mater winning the national yeah. championship game in 2001. Thankfully, that happened because that allows me to pick a favorite moment. <laughs> That's true. That's um, a good point. That was my prob- first Salem, uh, by the way. Uh, yeah, I'm allowed to have that as a favorite moment back Absolutely. in 2001. Otherwise, it will be really difficult. But I think some of the things that I've gotten to do that I've really enjoyed, um, you know, uh, Ray Martell and I took a road trip uh, very early on. I think this was in 2000 where we stopped. Uh, we came out of D.C. We stopped in Pittsburgh on Friday night and saw the Wash U women uh, break the what was then the record for longest winning streak in NCAA women's basketball. Uh, and then we continued on, you know, we just hung a, hung a left in Pittsburgh and continued on to Bloomington, Illinois, where we went to the <laughs> Shirk Center and saw Illinois Wesleyan, uh, that, uh, especially the place that that was at the time, seeing that for the first time and, and all the stuff going on around there. That was a, that's a road trip I really enjoyed. Um, I just, I have really enjoyed getting to go places and do things and, 
um, be in lots of, you know, medium, sometimes large, sometimes really small towns all across America, uh, crisscrossing the country, often in cars to see just some really cool things and, and meet cool people. And, um, to, uh, just to be able to shine a light on some of the awesome things that happen in NCAA Division Three athletics that if not for us and this site and the other sites in the network, people just wouldn't really know about. Yeah, I mean, the, the road trips, the tour, the tour de Tejas, is that what you called it? You had, it's Tejas, absolutely. You had the, uh, the, the trip down in uh, Atlanta. You had the, yeah. I remember I was talking to Anne, my wife, the other day about when you know web streaming was really coming along. You went on a tour, was it of New York? Um, and I think you dropped by SUNY Maritime or somebody a little off the wall and you, no one was streaming the game and you're like, let me try something. At the time, I think we were on Ustream. You pulled out your phone and I'm sitting there going, I'm watching Pat stream a game from courtside. This is getting ridiculous. Med Medgar Evers. Medgar, Medgar Evers. Evers. That was it. Yes. Yeah. Craziness. Yes. I, there, nobody was streaming the game and it was somewhat interesting. So I had the Ustream app on my, uh, that. <laughs> And to think, I mean, that was, okay, so that's probably 2012. I guess that's reasonable that that could have been done in 2012. But some of the other things that we've done oh, by oh. patching bailing wire together and stone knives and bear skins to get stuff on the air is just kind of crazy. Now this stuff is mainstream and everybody does it. But yeah. once upon a time, we were still streaming, we were still stringing telephone cable all across gymnasiums and hoping that somebody was on the other end to pick up uh, and that yeah. we weren't... Uh, affiliated with some audio provider that was going to go belly up the morning of and not tell anybody. That's the truth. Again, we used to be the only ones who audio streamed NCAA games and video streamed NCAA games. Now everybody does it, and that's not a bad thing. No, it's, it's just great. the evolution. It helps us save a little time. Let's us do whip-around shows, for example. Well, that was when uh, I was thinking about this the other day, too, is that all the time that I would have spent um, – yeah, the first week of March or second week of November, like I would have been for football just now trying to arrange broadcasters in like five or six places that and arrange for rights and fill out all these forms and yeah, make sure yeah. that all the technology was working and everybody had what they needed. I don't have to do that. I yeah, kind of miss yeah. I miss calling games personally. Yeah. I know you call a lot of games. I don't call a lot of games anymore, um, but I really enjoy getting to getting to watch stuff and that everybody gets to watch it. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I call less games that I want to call, like the NCAA tournament games. We, it was so much fun to be at a weekend in the first and second weekend calling games going on. We only get those once in a while now, yeah. um, so I can understand that. Of course, you're you're fully immersed in football. We'll get to that in a moment, but what you've done with hoops has certainly come along with accolades. People you know, pat your back, shake your hand, et cetera, but you also, from Cosida, got the Jake uh, Wade Award. Um, which is it? Yeah, there it is, right over your shoulder. Well done, sir. Um, I think it's behind this uh, oh. shot of Tommy Johnny game at Target Field. So oh, that's well. my bad. I should make sure it's more front and center. <laughs> I don't have. I haven't like put a nail in the wall or anything. You can see I'm mostly just covering the craziness <laughs> of my bookshelf. Yeah, we put too many nails into our wall. We're thinking about repainting. It's so many, so much marked up. But um, it, it has meant this. What does it mean to you that what it ended up being an email or a phone call to Steve Ulrich? has turned into a passion that you are honored for. I, it's tough for it. it that's, that's, that's a tough question to answer. Cause I think always the mantra is it's not about us and it shouldn't be about us. It right. should be about the student athletes. Um, you know, I'm grateful that people enjoy it and that people follow it and that people want it to continue because if they, if, if people didn't want it to 
to persist, if SIDs didn't want to keep providing information, if people didn't come and click on the site and hopefully please occasionally click on some ads or buy a, a sweatshirt or something like that, um, then we just wouldn't be able to do it. it um, and it, for me, uh, as a guy who was a, a full-time journalist for many, many years, uh, to still have this outlet to be a journalist where, you know, lots of places former journalists don't get to be journalists anymore. And I still get to, I still get to do it, which is fantastic. It's a lot of fun. Um, I, I think that that's what makes it, uh, that's what makes it for me. The fact that people still continue to come and it, that's, what's enjoyable for me. And then, you know, getting to know, getting to read the new stories and getting to know the new things that happen in division three, cause it's, it's new every year, especially in, in basketball. Uh, maybe not so much in football, but in basketball, it's new every year, right? Uh, <laughs> and certainly new every four years. It's a bunch of new kids and new stories. And it's just, that's what's, that's what's meaningful for me is that otherwise without this, it, nowadays you could say it probably would be done by somebody, but I don't think it would be done necessarily as well or in the same way. I really like bringing a, a sense of journalistic uh, excellence to NCAA Division Three, which, it, which you know, otherwise – you know, you wouldn't get to read about. Yeah, and and you talk about the great stories. Uh, you talk about WashU, still the second longest uh, NCAA tournament run win streak uh, in all divisions. You talk about your alma mater. That was my first Salem. That's always that ended up hooking me, ironically enough. Um, and there's a lot of other great stories we see every day. You're obviously more focused on football. I, I'd be remiss if we didn't get the opportunity to at least say what is going on with you guys. You had, I would argue, a quiet weekend. I obviously follow things on the side with football because I help you guys out when needed, uh, especially on a weekly basis. But I, I remember kind of looking at scores going, oh, well, this wasn't that exciting. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it really wasn't. And we'll uh, talk about it at length on the podcast, which yeah. will uh, tomorrow. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was epically bad in a sense. Um, it wasn't the highest average margin of victory for a second round, but uh, it's the first second round since we've had uh, a full 32 team bracket that we didn't have one game that was at least uh, within 10 points. Yeah. Uh, mm. So the interesting stories uh, on the football side are – Frostburg State's been on this uh, tear of late where they won at Wittenberg by 28 and they won at W&J by 23 and now they get to go to Mount Union. So we'll see how that goes. Oh boy. Uh, you know, but Mount Union has, I mean, they haven't lost, but they haven't, uh, they've shown some aura of possible vincibility, if that's the opposite of invincibility, um, <laughs> because uh, John Carroll took them down to the final minute and um in looking through looking at all these bad second rounds in previous years often it was the average was punctuated by uh right. mount union winning by 59 mount yeah. union winning by 42 mount union by winning by whatever i mean they only won by um oh, i don't have the chart in front of me it's a 30 something uh, 33 points maybe on saturday close. <laughs> something yeah but uh, yeah, it, it's, it'll be interesting because we, uh, I would say we haven't been happy with how the bracket was put together this year. Right, and you may, right. uh, you may, uh, that may be a familiar refrain in division three circles, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's been fun over there. Definitely stop on over to D three football.com. If, uh, you know, if you have a day between basketball games, uh, I, I, you mentioned it, it makes me think of it also kind of a new evolution of the future D three talent. Don't yeah. know if you want to give a quick mention. We will have the the guy who helped create that for us on a future show. But do you want to give a shout out for the D3 talent push? 
I do. And this has been really fun for us. So uh, Sam Borst Smith, uh, you folks may remember him as uh, All-American Point Guard, University of Rochester, uh, approached us at D3Sports.com, Dave, and then Dave uh, passed it. Uh, Dave, I speak of you in the third person as if it's you okay. aren't here. I do too. I'm speaking to your audience. <laughs> yes. Dave of, I don't know, maybe it's over there. You're right. No- Good point. Yes. All right. Anyway, uh uh, so Gordon Mann and I had a conversation, a couple conversations with Sam, and he brought this idea. It was like how to help the Division three student athlete kind of brand themselves. And as we've watched uh, the NCA do some things around NCA Division three branding and put a, a few more resources behind covering NCA Division three over the course of the past several years, uh, what we really wanted to do is then kind of take that a step further. We've been branding Division three since 1997, but uh, you know the, we have not done what we could, I think, to help the student athletes have a, a sense of a sense of self is probably a, a little bit too uh, high minded, but not by much um, about where they where Division three stands in the echelon. Right. I mean, people, if you are a, a D3 guy and you go to a open gym or something like that or whatever, you're you're uh, shooting around with uh, guys. And if you're a, an alum and you're shooting around with the guys, oh, I went to I went to. Austin P. I don't know, but you're fancy because you went to D1 school, right? Um, at division, the division three student athletes should be able to have the same amount of pride as to what they accomplished and what they did in order to play in college, because it's not just you show up and they roll the balls out and you go play for four years. That is just not how it works. Talent runs deep in NCAA division three. And that was the, one of the phrases that we wanted to help people use to help describe their division three athlete, uh, student athlete experience and talk about it in a way that, uh, you can have some pride about, um, we want division three alums to have that same pride in division three that, that we do in doing this that helps fuel us. Uh, so, you know, take a look at, uh, the D three talent hashtag on, uh, Instagram or on Twitter, uh, D three talent on Twitter, D three talent on Facebook, D three talent on Instagram, and also, uh, some gear that, uh, that uh, Sam helped us uh, design as well. Uh, that's available for you as uh, for you to take a look at. Um, you know that sort of stuff should be on d3hoops.com. I will help make sure that that happens, uh, especially for Cyber Monday. But in go. all honesty, um, we really want to make this a, a place where the student athlete can um, can showcase themselves. So hashtag d3talent on like your highlight films. Or the things that you do off the floor, off the playing surface, off the ice, off the field as well, because we want to showcase the the well-rounded student athlete in NCAA Division three. So hashtag that stuff. We will redistribute it on our platforms uh, because we want to make sure that the word gets out there about all the awesome things that happen in NCAA Division three. Well said, sir. Uh, and congratulations again on twenty years, twenty first season, as it were. It's legal, to, almost legal to drink. The show, the the website is almost legal to drink. Uh, well, that's good because uh, sometimes it's driven me in that direction. Yeah, well, fair point. Uh, <laughs> hey, I appreciate you taking the time. Obviously, busy with football. You will have your podcast later tonight. You can find it at d3football.com when it is launched, um, and et cetera, et cetera, and obviously the D3 talent. Appreciate it. You know the drill, and you are not immune to this drill, sir. Sure. We always leave the final word to the guest. And any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? No, in all honesty, well, I mean, I guess yes, because I'm going to talk. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Um, I, nothing planned, I guess. I should have. I knew this. Um, I'm just thankful that uh, there are people who are willing to continue the, the D3Hoops.com legacy uh, on days and now entire seasons where I just don't have the time or the mental bandwidth to be able to do it. Uh, for years now already, even though uh, you know Gordon Mann took over the website formally uh, not quite two years ago, um, but he had been running – D3 hoops in November and December for a couple years before that too. And, you know, basically kind of dragged me to the finish line the, the previous season, if not for, uh, folks like him, Ryan Scott, you people even further behind the scenes, uh, D3 hoops.com would not be able to continue in the manner that it has. And I, I'm very grateful that, um, you know, something that I poured so many years and so many hours into is able to continue without, uh, without me having to do so much of the heavy lifting. Well, we appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for the call, as it were. I think that's how we first communicated. I don't think we emailed, but thanks for the call. And then it went from there, as it were. Congratulations. We'll look forward to seeing – I'll look forward to seeing you in Salem. Love the bow tie. Uh, Thank you. Look forward to seeing you down the road as well. And enjoy the rest of the football season. And we'll see you when you show up behind the scenes, uh, well, probably tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just had to class up the uh, the joint Absolutely. a little bit. Sorry. Well done. Well done, indeed. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Pat Coleman joining us from, the, let's call it the D3 Football Studios. That's where he is in Minnesota uh, getting ready for their podcast tonight, covering the second round of the D3 Football Playoffs. Appreciate him taking the time. Again, 20 years at D3Hoops.com. I've noticed a bunch of people on Twitter uh, acknowledging that as well. Um, again, thanks to Pat for his ideas behind that. And I guess in, in, a, in a way, thanks to Steve Ulrich for having a website that Pat wanted to update. That's pretty much how this thing all got started. And it's all been downhill since, especially this show. Speaking of this show, we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll get into some conversations with coaches. Hobart's off to a two and zero start with two wins over top 25 teams. What's that mean for the Statesmen? Are they a team to watch in the East this year? Well, we'll find out from Tim Sweeney. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios, presented proudly by D3Hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. 
college basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Hope you followed along. We will eventually get our famous little crawl going at the bottom of the screen as well. Um, yeah, we, we changed software in the offseason. Actually, the same software we've been using, but the upgrades were significant. And I just didn't have enough time to play with it. And sometimes you really don't know what works and doesn't work till you hit the air. And so some of those things are limited. And again, as you can see, there's a huge staff here who works on this show. Well, there used to be a huge staff here that used to work on this show, or maybe that I've got multiple personalities. One of the two. Anyway, interact with us. Love to hear from you. Hope you're doing well. Uh, preseason top 25s. We've talked about how difficult they are. Um, sometimes it's tough to figure out. Who is St. John Fisher with a coaching change, lost their best center, etc.? Who is Rochester? Well, they're off to a 4-1 start, even though they lost a lot of people from last year, but they got a good coach. One team's knocked off both of them. Hobart. You may be asking, Hobart? Well, they got predicted to win the Liberty League this season. A lot of people have been talking to me about the Statesman, saying there just may be something going up there in the Finger Lakes that is worth watching. What do we make of it? <clears throat> I'm not really sure, to be honest. But that's why we decided to have coaches on the show. Tim Sweeney joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline to talk about his statesman. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Dave, thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. Quick note to everybody out there. We literally asked him last minute to join us, and I appreciate him doing that. Um, first of all, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. It had to be a good Thanksgiving if you started 2-0 and with two wins over top 25 teams. Yeah, Dave, it sure was. Um, you know, very, very pleased with our start at this point. Uh, Two, two very quality teams, and, uh, you know, we're certainly excited, um, but we know it's a long season and uh, still a lot to be accomplished. So uh, we're definitely excited about the beginning. So the beginning's good. And, and again, Liberty League picked you guys to win this one. I feel like this almost feels like about the year everyone expected Hobart to make the turn under your guidance. Is, is that a, a fair say? I mean, every coach needs a few years to kind of think, get things up and running under his own uh, own regime, as it were. Is that a fair say that this year is a good year to expect good things from Hobart, or are we maybe <laughs> all jumping the gun? 
Well, I, I think, uh, you know, first of all, the program was in terrific shape when I arrived. I mean, Coach Near sure. has done a fantastic job with the program. And, you know, I really think um, in a lot of ways, you know, Hopefully, you know, from our standpoint, we've been able to reload, and um, I think you're starting to see a, a core group of guys mature a little bit. Um, you know, we're playing juniors and sophomores, and we have one terrific senior captain, and um, so I think you're starting to see a team mature a little bit. And uh, quite frankly, using some disappointment late in the season last year, um, you know, making the conference championship game and coming up short, and I think that's really propelled this group of young men to. We'll have a great spring, summer, fall, and, and sort of you know led us to this point. Uh, quickly, let's talk about Coach Near just to to make sure we don't forget about it. You know Coach Near maybe as best as as well as you know your own father. Uh, you played under him and then coached under him from '99 to 2006. Uh, obviously, played at Rochester. Um, was the reason you came to Hobart because of Mike? Uh, you were an associate head coach at Elon University, if anyone's not mm-hmm. familiar. What, was the idea to come to Hobart because Mike had been there? Uh, did he do the prototypical, let me give the guy a call I know well? Or was the draw to upstate to return to upstate New York also just as strong? Well, I certainly think that was a factor, you know, coach having, having been here at Hobart. Um, you know, I, I actually noticed on, your, on the website that it's the 20-year anniversary here, um, it makes me feel really old because I feel like I was playing when the when the website was just kind of getting started. You were, um, <laughs> so you know this is uh, you know being a Division three player myself, um, certainly having family in, in New York, and um, you know those are those are also contributing reasons. But no question about it, you know, Coach Near being at Hobart, uh, there was a level of familiarity that I had with the program. Uh, Mike Hanna, a longtime athletic director, step actually retiring here at the end of the month. End of December, um, you know, it was a big factor in, in uh, being attracted to the position. So, yeah, I think certainly the connection to Coach Nier was huge and, um, and, and played a role in it. So what has been the, maybe the biggest accomplishment you guys have pulled off now that in your coaching realm, as it were, at Hobart? When you took over for Coach Nier, we kind of knew what Hobart – he always had big men, so we always had big men, but it seemed like – um, every coach has their own fingerprint on it. So what's your fingerprint and what's the accomplishment you guys have made so far in, in the term that you've been there? Well, quite frankly, I think we, we still have a lot left to accomplish. Uh, I'm not sure you know, we, we've had anything concrete that we can point to and say, hey, we've arrived or, or we've accomplished this or that. I, I think uh, you know, from myself and through the program, I think there's a there's a hunger to achieve and to and, and to win a conference championship. If we're able to and and to and to you know cement uh, you know some legacy here at Hobart. And there there were some teams in front of us, and currently have an assistant coach, Stephon Thompson, who, who played here and, and was on some of those championship teams. And I think that's something for myself to everyone in the program that we aspire to. So in many ways, Dave, I don't think we've accomplished anything. Um, you know, but to you know, answer your question. I think uh, certainly my style is a lot different than Coach Nier. I'm a lot shorter. Um, you know, we, we probably don't have the stable of big men that he, he's had over the years. But at the same time, I think you know we're trying to lay an imprint of a program that plays extremely hard, plays together, and um, is constantly looking to improve. And um, you know, in that vein, I think I've probably stolen a little bit from every coach I've been fortunate to work with. So there's a little bit of a blend. Uh, I am literally looking for the picture I was sent of you and coach near because you mentioned height and I, I wasn't going to get to it, but you mentioned height and I'm like, 
All right, now now we have no choice. We've got to mention it because uh, your Ken DeBolt, your terrific SID at Hobart William Smith, sent it along to us. Here it is. Finally got it. We got it in the system. I hope figuring this out. Bear with us, folks. Here we go. And we're putting it up on the screen now. Um, you're not as short as you make yourself seem, uh, but Mike is kind of looking down a little at you. Um, a little bit. When you look at the program you've got now, you got two wins over top twenty-five teams. Uh, you mentioned the one senior on the squad. Otherwise, this is a bunch of, of underclassmen. You're picked to win the Liberty League. You're off to a pretty good start with four guys in double figures, nearly five. Is this the start you were hoping for? Is this better than you were hoping for? What What do we look at when we look at this this uh, beginning? Well, I think any coach would tell you there's, there's always positives and negatives. Certainly the results are there. You know, we're, we're thrilled to to grab two wins like this early in the season. Um, you know, at the same time, you know, our players and, and our program, we're aware that we have a lot of areas where we need to improve. Um, you know, specifically, I think, you know, we're turning the ball over at a ridiculous rate. You know, there's other little things here and there that, you know, we certainly have to have to improve upon. And, you know, it doesn't get any easier for us as we uh, have to travel to Brockport on Tuesday. Um, and, and that's uh, that's a program with a deep tradition and a very, very difficult place to play. So, you know, we're, we're on edge. We're, we're still preparing. Um, you know, we're thrilled with the results. But, you know, like any coach, I'm going to tell you that, you know, there's a lot of areas where we can get better. And I think specifically, I think anybody can look at it. Doesn't, you don't need to be a rocket scientist. And, you know, we need to cut down on our turnovers. You have an interesting schedule this season. Uh, you started the first two games with, with games at home against St. John Fisher, who was ranked in the preseason, and Rochester, who made it uh, nearly knocking on the Final Four last year. You now hit a long road run. You don't return home until January 12th when you play Bard. You'll go to Rockport, to Union, to Vassar, obviously nearby, but still, to Carnegie Mellon, then to SUNY IT. Then you're down at Randolph-Macon in Ashland, Virginia, to play Rowan, and then somebody else the following day over the Christmas holiday. Then you're at RIT, then you're at Ithaca, then you're at RPI before you're finally home. This is not an easy stretch coming up by any definition because you guys are only going to see your house for or your home for practice. How do you get the guys ready for this one? Uh, first of all, thanks for reading that. I, you're you welcome. Know, I feel like uh, <laughs> you know, it feels a little worse now. I feel like a glutton for punishment. Um, that was the purpose. Now, I think we, you know, the. We've put the schedule together to, to prepare ourselves for an incredibly difficult conference, you know, season. And I think, you know, I think the Liberty League is on upswing with three teams in the NSA tournament last year. Um, there's some terrific teams and coaches in our conference. So, you know, our, our schedule is designed to prepare us for, for that. And I think going on the road, now a little bit of it, Dave, has to do with our conference playing games right. in December now. And so we can't control you know, who we travel to or who we host. So that that played a little bit of a role, um, as well as we always like to go to a tournament. And this year we're fortunate to go down to Randolph-Macon. So, you know, it, it, not by design necessarily, but we're not we're not blinking at the idea of being on the road like that. I think our guys are um, are going to be prepared. You know, we're going to continue to work hard. And, uh, and they realize that each one of these games is, is a unique challenge in its own right. Uh, we should point out seven of the last nine games are at home, all in conference play. Yeah, so a little bit of a weirdly balanced uh, conference schedule and in, in a little bit of a jumping through. Everybody's kind of jumping through the Northeast right now with how many things have changed in conferences, Liberty League and, and Empire 8 being the two big ones who seem to be swapping partners, as it were. How hard is that, though, for you or any coach up there not knowing what the conference situation is going to be from a year-to-year basis when you're trying to schedule. 
Uh, it, it settled a little bit. It's calmed down a little bit. But for a couple of years there, you guys do, really didn't know who your conference foes were going to be, and maybe you still don't know. Yeah, it was definitely quirky this this past summer leading into this year um, because of Ithaca coming to the league and you know great addition to the league and it, it balances that us out at ten teams, uh, but because of that we lost two non conference games and I think that sort of threw all of the coaches in the league off a little bit in terms of you know trying to schedule games when to play them I think a lot of long time you know series that were played at certain dates had to be moved and you know so you kind of get that that chaos for a little bit but hopefully. Um, you know, I'm not aware of any other teams joining our league, so I'm hoping there's a little bit of stability here over the next couple of years. Well, hopefully that'll help with the scheduling. Uh, as we're talking about this team a little bit, we kind of hinted at it. Dan Messino leaving in the way at 16.5 points, Luke, uh, Jamal Lucas 14 points, Con Darty 12, and Tucker uh, Lesko 11. Obviously just through two games, so some of that's maybe not perfectly aligned to what this team will look like. But but are you guys an inside-outside team? Are you a balanced team? And what do we make up if we ever were to watch a Hobart game online? Sure. I, I think, you know, I would describe us as a balanced team for sure. I think we have multiple multiple players that can that can make plays um you know we do try to play inside out i think uh you know on any on any, any given night we have multiple guys that can you know as proven can kind of get at that 15 to 20 point range and one thing we really emphasize and, and try to enjoy is the fact that we play for each other and we play together and i think um you know john wooden said it best when when no one's concerned with who gets the credit it's amazing what you can accomplish and i think as cliched as that is i, I really believe that our players um, have internalized that and bought into that, and so we've got a lot of different um, people that can, you know, that can hurt you. And I think, you know, one other aspect that goes a little bit unnoticed, I'd like to point out, is that um, the level of our practices, because of our depth, is, has really improved. And, and you get guys that don't get a lot of publicity, but you know, like sophomore Jake Preston, junior Court Williams, and these are guys that um, aren't going to get a lot of publicity, but um, have really improved their games from one year to the next, and just ramp up the level of our practices, which is. Absolutely huge. Uh, we should point out, by the way, your cousin Shane was a starting quarterback <laughs> for the Hope, Hope football Hope football team the past three seasons. I've been told. Um, have you been trying to give him advice on the football field as well? <laughs> no, no advice. He's the athlete in the family. Uh, he got all the talent, <laughs> so uh, I let him do his thing. And uh, if he has any advice for me, I'll take it. Um, you say that over all so nonchalantly, considering how well you played at Rochester, sir. Uh, I think you're still second in, in total amount of games. I think did Sambor Smith pass you or somebody recently? I think passed you on that, that category. Okay, yeah, <clears throat> I'm not sure. <laughs> I didn't think you were keeping track. Uh, we mentioned Dan Messino. Uh, Ken DeBolt is friendly enough to remind me that uh, he is the son of Mike Messino, uh, who graduated all-time leading scorer. So it's nice. To, I mean, you have a lot of family ties. He's in the Hall of Fame as well. His grandfather, the grandfather Al, worked or played for the Milwaukee Hawks. You kind of have a nice little mix there with Dan. Yeah, you know, we, we're thrilled to have Dan on board, and, and as you mentioned, his, his father had a terrific career at Hobart, and the neat thing about Dan is that, um, you know, we recruited him very hard for a number of years, and uh, but at the end of the day, he really fell in love with Hobart, the school, and it's kind of a neat side story that his father played here, but um, I, I can say with a lot of confidence that he really, you know, fell in love with the guys on the team and, and our program, so it's sort of a unique thing. He's, he's creating his own legacy, writing his own chapter, but we get to enjoy the you know, guys like you and I get to enjoy the fact that his dad, you know, had quite the career here, and um, it's pretty neat for their family to be able to watch this. We also have uh, another young man in this freshman class whose father played at Hobart and was a longtime head coach at Bridgeton Academy, uh, Whit Lejour, his son Jack plays for us. So we have a pretty neat um, 
you know, legacy thing going on here with, with Hobart basketball, and we're thrilled with that. Yeah, it's certainly true, uh, and I love the Hobart campus. i got to get up there for a game sometime, uh, but I visited when I was a college student. Hobart waitlisted me, just for the record. Uh, oh, boy. Wow. They probably weren't wrong. They probably weren't wrong, let's be honest. Uh, but speaking of strange things, this one i got to finish up with. Ken did all the hard work. 21 turnovers in the win against Rochester. You're 3-0 and under you as head coach when committing more than 20 turnovers. That's usually the polar opposite of what I hear coaches preaching. And I heard you earlier saying you have to take care of the ball, but it also seems to work when you turn the ball over. <laughs> well, Dave, I think that's pretty much evidence that I have no idea what I'm doing. So. <laughs> um, I think uh, you know, it's certainly a quirky one. Uh, you know, appreciate that if our players are listening. Hopefully they're not internalizing that. But uh, I think, uh, you know, <laughs> I can't explain that one, Dave. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. And if you keep turning the ball over and keep winning, um, maybe you've got a new technique you need to stick with. Just a thought. Well, well you know, one thing that might tie this neatly in a bow for you is uh, one great memory I have, and, and this sort of contributes hopefully to this program tonight and the website, is uh, my my junior year, you know, we were fortunate to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I think it was the original Around the Nation column. Coach Near actually um, – you know, was interviewed for an article, and it was about our guard play, which I happen to be one of the guards on the team, and I believe he referred to me as a blind mouse. So hopefully, uh, you know, I think we've come full circle. The blind, the blind, the blind mouse is now, uh, you know, a head coach, and accordingly, our team's throwing the ball all over the place. I've usually heard that term associated with officials. I've never heard that term associated with one's own guard. I'm pretty sure that's accurate. I'm gonna. I don't know if our archives necessarily go back that far, but I will make a call to, to confirm that. It won't happen on the show, but we will. We will have an update. Blind mouse. That's outstanding. Uh, Tim, congratulations on a tremendous start there for the season. Uh, again, it was one of those where at the beginning in the preseason, someone had said to me, "Hey, keep an eye on Hobart." I'm like, "Okay." I, I usually watch the Liberty League with interest, um, and then you guys kind of came out of the gates guns a blazing, as it were. Good luck on the next road trip here. If you're ever looking for a Christmas holiday tournament, let me know. i got a good one in mind. And uh, in the meantime, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Uh, well, uh, thanks, Dave, for having, having me on the show and having our program, you know, getting some publicity. I think it's uh, fantastic what the website and, and the show does for, for Division Three, and it, it's a neat thing that, um, you know, coaches, administrators, players, everyone can enjoy. So just really appreciate that and appreciate the, the opportunity to join you and, and, uh, and be on here and, and have some good laughs and, and talk about our team. So I wish you the best, and, uh, yeah, thank you very much. Well, thank you, sir. Take care. Good luck the rest of the way. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Tim Sweeney joining us from Hobart. The men's team off to a 2-0 start, as we mentioned, over top 25 St. John Fisher and Rochester. We'll see where they rank. I think Rochester stays in. St. John Fisher, we'll see if they stay in. In the new top 25 poll that comes out tomorrow. Again, they start a 10-game road trip tomorrow. They are out of town until January 12th uh, for games. They'll be on the road at Brockport. That should be a really good game on the road against Union and Vassar in conference play, then on the road against Carnegie Mellon SUNY IT before the holidays, then down at Randolph-Macon. It's too bad I'll be out in Vegas. I would love to go to that tournament. Uh, and then a couple conference games before they finally get home on, on January 12th. 
to get back into the home stretch. And then from there, again, they're, they're home for most of it. I said seven of the last nine. If you count the games on January 12th, it's actually nine of their last 13, uh, 13 I believe, are at home. So a big home stretch on the backside for Hobart. Going to take a break. When we come back, we'll head down Charles Street, as they say, down here in Baltimore. We'll head down there to talk to the two coaches who are now running the Johns Hopkins men's and women's basketball programs. For the first time in more than 30 years, it's not Bill Nelson and it's not Nancy Funk. We'll talk to both coaches, Josh Leffler and Catherine Bixby. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Back with more after this. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Clearly not in the WBCA NABC studios. We're here at Gold Farm Gymnasium on the campus of Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, Maryland. For us, it's basically a short little drive down the street. We were here last year when, to be honest, I got a sense that we needed to go talk to Bill Nelson, the men's head coach. Something told me that Bill's career would be drawn to a close at some point in the near future. Did not realize it would be the end of last season, but it turned out to be the end of last season. One mistake we made is we didn't talk to Nancy Funk, who shortly after Bill's decision decided to retire herself. The result was Johns Hopkins ended up with two head coaching opportunities for someone new and someone probably a little bit younger than Bill and Nancy. In walked Josh Loeffler and in walked 
Catherine Bixby from varying locations to take over these two programs. And I figured early in the season, it's about time we actually talk to them and find out what it's like to transition these two programs from long-standing head coaches, 31 years, same as Nancy Fay, by the way, at Wash U, and move it towards something else. So we got a chance to do that, and joining me first is Josh Loeffler. Of course, we have the women's team warming up in the background, which is totally D3, if it were. But thanks for uh, joining me here on the show, and welcome to Hopkins. Thanks for having me here. Appreciate it. Uh, we should point out to anybody who doesn't know the history, you are, you do have D3 background, yep. assistant coach at Williams, the head coach at Stevenson, before you decided to dip your toe and well, actually got most of your body into the water of D1 uh, with a few years in assistant, including right up the street uh, at Loyola, Maryland. Now you're back in D3. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to be excited about that to some degree, but you're probably just as excited about having a head coaching opportunity. Yeah, I'm, I'm mostly excited to be the head coach at, at Johns Hopkins. You know, this was a job I was really, uh, you know, excited to pursue and uh, very happy that they would consider me uh, in mm -hmm. the process and ecstatic that it went the way it did, and I'm here as the head coach. Uh, highly sought after job. There were a lot of people who wanted this job. Even reports Hopkins went out there and headhunted to some degree. They really wanted a good coach to come in here. For you to then emerge out of that group has got to feel pretty good for yourself. Yeah, or or worried about the <laughs> criteria for the selection. I'm, I'm not really sure. Sure. Um, you know, there's a there's a chance that uh, they, they meant to hire someone else and said the, <laughs> sent the, the invite to the, wrong, to the wrong address, you know what I mean? Oops, um, oh, it's too late now. <laughs> but but to, to be named the head coach here was really, uh, it was just a tremendous feeling, you know, because I think very highly of this institution and athletic department, and that's what this came down to is uh, I wanted the job because of how highly I view this place um, so it's it's tremendous and of course you've had a, a, a different perspective of it literally up the street at Loyola Maryland as an assistant when Bill Nelson retired was that the point where you're like okay I'm going for the job I want that job or did you have a feeling you wanted this job before that I, I've you know I've talked about Johns Hopkins as the, the place that I could see really being um, attractive to me for a long time I think a lot of people have sure. um, it's a, it's a great place, you know, it's a, it's a school that really stands out in terms of its national reputation and international reputation academically, and it's unique in that they approach things here in a first-class manner all around athletically. Um, it's a wonderful department that provides tremendous resources for their student-athletes. Mm -hmm. So I've always looked at Johns Hopkins as a, a great job, and yeah, when Bill, when Bill retired, obviously, you, you start to think about things a little more, mm. you know, a little more solidly, just because it's, it's a real thing and it could be, who knows, maybe a possibility. And then that's when things start to crystallize a little bit more and, you know, things, things fell into place. One of those rare people could probably hand deliver their resume. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Versus anybody else around the country. Um, yeah. When you look at the academics, you're not that unfamiliar with them. You were at Williams. You know what the academic you know, level of expectations are, especially in recruiting. Stevens certainly has a certain level of expectation. And a lot of the schools you were as, as a D1 assistant, Lafayette yeah. and Loyola Merritt, there are no slouches academically either. So this feels like a very, I don't want to say easy fit for you, but there's not a lot of transitional when it comes to expectations academically about student athletes that you're going to eventually recruit. I think I've been lucky in my transition that I've worked at schools that have high academic requirements um, for the incoming student-athletes so it wasn't like I was dealing with a brand new set of parameters right. obviously any job you take there's there's 
details about that institution and the way things work there that are unique and different from any other job you've had. But I do feel fortunate that I've worked at high academic institutions um, almost exclusively throughout my career. That, that has made the, that's made the transition a, a slightly easier one, I hope. Transition's going to be hard no matter what. Obviously, Bill was here for 31 years. Yeah. There's, a, there's a whole institution, literally, around the men's <laughs> basketball program with what Bill, and even the women's program, um, sure. with, with what Nancy built. When you walked in the door, though, what did you first decide we need to either not change, but do differently or find differently or whatever the case may be to make it more of yourself and help everybody kind of transition into a new era, yeah, as it were? I don't think I thought much about change or, sure. or really, I don't like this, so I'm going to do this oh, yeah. or anything. I, I think I just tried to be myself from the day I got here and tried to run an a program the way I would run it no matter who I was following or what school I was at. Now, I think I'm accustomed to working in a school like Johns Hopkins, um, you know, schools that are similar. This place, like I said, is, is an entirely different animal than anywhere else. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's an unbelievable place. Um, but I focus mostly on just trying to express to our team and our administration uh, what things are most important to me, what things I think can help us win the most, and just try to put those into place. And, you know, Really, whoever I came in behind wasn't going to matter mm -hmm. that much. Um, I'm lucky to have come in to a situation that's on solid footing uh, after a, an individual like Bill Nelson who did a, a very yeah. good job. You know, most people don't get to get a job um, that isn't in a rebuild mode. You sure. know, and, and I'm very fortunate for that. You know, I, I, I thank Bill for, for doing such a great job here because it's made things easier for me. You kind of hit on what my next question was going to be. The, the program 10 years ago wasn't as great as it had been. Still competitive in the conference, but kind of middle of the conference, and not many people talked about the Blue Jays. But Bill made some changes, and all of a sudden the team kind of brought, came back into the forefront. They had the tremendous run a few years ago in the NCAA tournament. To a lot of degree, he really did kind of resurrect the program right before he left. It gave you kind of a really good firm ground and left you a really good solid unit when, to take over from. I mean, Bill, throughout his entire career, he came in and he recruited guys like Andy Enfield and, yeah. and, and that crew and, you know, made a run. And then institutions change all the time, and you have to adjust to what the institution requires as you are progressing in your career, and I think he did that. And, you know, later in his career, he, he brought in guys, uh, you know, who were just as good. You know, mm -hmm. uh, he brought in the Narakis and the Mac Griffins, you know. He brought in um, Joel Wertman, and he had different eras with different stars. And I think, you know, when we look back at it, we're going we're gonna to realize how, how good a coach Bill was. And, and he definitely has um, made my life easier because he um, has recruited really good people. Yeah. You know, it's nice to work at a school like Johns Hopkins where you get to coach kids who you enjoy being around all the sure. time. And our kids are that to the highest level. Uh, I'm going to look off camera a bit. Jim Valvano, correct name? Yes. You have some expectations, sir, because you now are only the second coach in Hopkins history. Yeah. Jim Valvano being the other to start 3-0. and So no, no pressure this season. Yeah, thanks. No pressure in your career here at all. No, none. <laughs> I think Pretty I, good start, though. I, well, I appreciate that. Um, I think my wife would tell you that I am no Jim Valvano. <laughs> Uh, and I, I think most of America would agree. And then I, I think that she would also say I put enough pressure on myself. I don't have to worry. Sure. About, I don't have to worry about any other.
<laughs> outside factors, you know. But it is a team that you've gotten out to a 3-0 start. We're not talking specifics because this is airing before, after you've had a, even more under your belt. But the team did start well. You have a pretty good unit. And the conference feels ripe for the taking, for lack of a better Yeah, Swaffmer's good. FNM's supposed to be in the conversation. Ursinus is coming back into the fray. We don't know what to make of some of the other squads out there. But if, so it feels like it's right for the taking. Is this a team that maybe can make some waves this year? Or do you still going to maybe need some time to really get this program under, your, under yourself before you guys can take off? I hope we can. Uh, I really like our team. I think every team has flaws. You sure. Know, and, and the coach of a team is always going to know those better than anyone, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, maybe not me, but most, <laughs> most good coaches. Um, but I, I do like our team, and I think that we have some talented players. I think we have some great kids who have really, who have really tried to do everything we've said. Um, I don't know at this point, or really with my background, what the league truly is going to be this year. Sure. I don't know what we're truly going to be this year. You know, we're only a, a couple of weeks in, really. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of room for growth. The thing that we focus on the most is what are we doing today to advance our program and how are we growing daily are we are we getting better or not mm -hmm. um, so I think if we take care of that we've got a great chance I don't really know how we'll fit into the conference picture I'm just trying to have a good day today and win the next game and, and, sure. and really try to advance the program every day and I think our guys have done a great job of that in some degree you got to figure out the conference yeah I don't I, yeah I don't pretend to know as much as the the other coaches sure. in the league who have been here longer than I have. Um, hopefully I can fake it till I make it, you know. And, now, at and least with by. your William experience, you're used to the Dave Hickson's of the world. There is the Dave Hickson in Centennial Conference and Glenn Robinson. Yes, yeah. So you can maybe pick his ear a little bit, but certainly a lot of interesting pieces yeah. in the conference it's to a figure great, out. It's a great league. I mean, I think, I think the Centennial is one of the better basketball leagues mm -hmm. in terms of the attention the schools pay to basketball, um, the environments in the gym, and just the tradition across the board. I mean, the programs that Centennial have had long and storied traditions, oh, absolutely. A to Z, and I think that's fun. You get to play in games that matter, yeah. in places that matter throughout your year. Where they're rabid about it as yes, well. Yes, that's exactly right. You, yeah. know, you know, you get, you get great fan support or heckled very badly, yes, and either way, right. it's pretty fun. You're going to see some strange outfits here at Hopkins. <laughs> yes, yeah. You're going to have some very dedicated fans at FNM. Yes. Uh, it's it's a fascinating co uh, mixture of, of schools and, and fan bases, as you put it, and teams. What's it like? We haven't gotten to this. What's it like now to be back in Division Three after being in D1 for a little while? Granted, on the academic side of the, the, maybe the D3 side of D1, but what's yeah. it like to be back in D3? It's not that different. Yeah. I mean, basketball, I it's think, basketball. is basketball. And there are rules specific to Division Three that, you know, in a lot of ways sometimes promote a little more balance and a little more of a healthy lifestyle, you know. I think maybe my guys get sick of me a little later in the year since I didn't scream at them all fall and summer <laughs> like we would have in a Division fair, One. Fair, fair. Uh, maybe I'm a little, you know, fresher now because we didn't have workouts in the off-season officially. Um, you know, the guys do that on their own. And, and I think the other thing that I've really enjoyed about being back at Division Three, and this is a really interesting observation to me this year, is, you know, because the coaches are able to step back and the kids are not coached every day of the year or every week of the year, I think you do have the opportunity, and I think we're seeing this here, to have a lot of ownership of the team by your student athletes. And it's been fun for me to watch some of our older guys and um, some of our leaders 
really have a huge role in developing what our standards are and what our culture is and will be. I think that's really unique. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk about the team, especially as the season's underway, especially here at your home gymnasium. As always, you give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who are tuning in? Uh, come out to Goldfarb. It's, a, it's an unbelievable environment. As you said, the Goldfarb gang, uh, best <laughs> costumes in Division Three. Yes, absolutely. And I think we're going to play a fun brand of basketball this year. Um, would love to see you at just some games this year. I know you have allegiances to other universities. Yeah, it's okay. But, uh, you know, we won't hold that against you. And if, <laughs> if you can come by, please do so. It's a, it's a wonderful atmosphere here for a home game with the Blue Jays. I usually try to get a one or two if I can. Do, I got a son now. This year, do four this year. I got a son now who's who's rampant. Don't be surprised if I'm dragging him out there to a go. lot of games. You know, I'll, 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 let, I'll let him sit on the back. I'll let him coach the team. Oh, really wow. Okay. Yeah. Expect, watch out. He's actually kind of getting smart <laughs> at this stuff. You never know. For I need all the help I can get there. <laughs> well, don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, and uh, good luck the rest of the season. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. When we come back on Hoopsville, Catherine Bixby will sit in that seat, talk about the women's program here at Hopkins. It's all about Hopkins right now. We'll talk to her coming up. You're watching Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Cheer for the stumbles. The Heat should have had that and the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born.
Titans head coach Catherine Bixby. And coach, welcome to Johns Hopkins. Thank you. Welcome to Baltimore, we yeah, should right? appropriately say. Of course, you know this gymnasium after coaching a few years at Dickinson. We'll get to that in a minute. But first and foremost, have you have you settled in yet? I have, I have. I live two blocks just oh, very away nice. from Hopkins, so I'm still walking to work, which I really enjoy. <laughs> and I've gotten to know the media area pretty well just through walking. Sure. Yeah. I know well, everybody's dogs. That's really, that's a good <laughs> you step. know everybody's dogs good at step. this point. Considering the news of Baltimore, which we won't dive into, I wonder how long you'll keep walking. Plus, yeah. it's getting to be winter time. Yeah. It's going to get cold. Uh, but hats off on finding a nice close place. Uh, you take over a, a job that, same with Josh, and this has been an institution. Mm -hmm. you know, 31 years, both coaches, everyone's kind of used to, oh yeah, it's Nancy and Bill and blah, blah. Mm -hmm. How do you transition a program into something so new when it's been in such a particular way for so long? Yeah, how incredible to take over for Coach Funk after 31 years. I was going through some of that history the other day, and they're also the winningest women's program at Hopkins. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's what drew me to this job, tradition of excellence and high expectations. And quite frankly, it's easy to take over <laughs> for a program like that because they have such high expectations of themselves. And not only do they work really hard in the classroom, but they expect that on the basketball court, you know. You were at coach at Dickinson, as we previously yep. mentioned, for a couple of years. Helped turn that program around. Yeah. Uh, really successful there. So what drew you to this job, especially cross-conferences? Yep. Some coaches, that, that's intriguing. Some coaches don't want to have anything to do with another team on the other side of the conference. What yep. drew you to this job in the first place? Yeah, you know, Dickinson was a phenomenal place to be in. I learned a ton from my staff there, from the players there, from the professors there. It truly was a wonderful first head coaching position and I owe them, I owe them a lot. Um, I, you know, they, they really helped me learn how to be a coach. Uh, what drew me here is the city. Mm. I really do enjoy a, a mini Philadelphia, okay. as I would say here. Yeah, sure. And also the tradition of excellence. The athletic department as a whole is a perennial power, and I feel really fortunate to be able to be a part of that. Uh, it's really a family of excellence, which can be inspiring yeah. and, and can make it really fun to coach these student athletes. You got to experience the tradition in the fall already with all the success the fall How sports have. Yeah. We haven't even gotten to the spring when Man. things really ramp up to another level. Yep. But you guys are the interim now, and, and we're into the basketball season. Of course, team practicing and getting ready for an upcoming game behind us. When you look at what you have in front of you in terms of the team that was left behind, for lack of a better description, mm -hmm. by, by Nancy Bunkett, and what you have with what you have moving forward, mm -hmm. what do you expect this year in the general sense? What do you, what do you expect in the near term? Mm -hmm. Well, I feel fortunate to have some experience in Centennial Conference because you know it's a grind. Oh, yeah. You know that at the beginning of the conference schedule, it's nowhere near what it's like at the end of the conference right. schedule. All these teams are really competitive and you have to be on your best, I don't want to say behavior, but you have to be playing at your best oh, every sure. night. And if you're not, it can really come back to haunt you. So right now we're figuring out what type of team we want to be. We're small, we've got 12 players, yeah. so we're trying to balance you know, <laughs> how to deal with that. Yeah. And we're, we're still focusing just on the things we can control, which is defense. We really need to focus on our player-to-player -player defense, and then offense will come. Luckily, I've been left with some really talented guards. Mm -hmm. You know, Lillian, Scott, the 
the leading scorer on this team, returned. And then Lexi Schultz, the point guard, who is really strong and competitive. And then Rory at the post. You know, so a lot of the pieces returned from last year, which has been good to work around. And now it's it's about getting the team to trust each other and to work together. And when it comes to recruiting, you kind of have some familiarities again with Dickinson. Yep. Being in the same conference, everybody has some similar levels, as it were, yep. of student athletes and such. But Hopkins is a pretty challenging place. And I know you're early into this, but mm -hmm. have you figured out what what's going to maybe work to get the players in or? Bill made an interesting comment to me last year. Sometimes the players come to you. Is, yeah. Are you sensing that already? Yeah, you know, and that's that's that unique uh, blend that Hopkins has that really brought me here was that academic expectation with athletic excellence. Uh, I'll let you know after a year if <laughs> yeah, we exactly. figured it out. It's, it's inspiring. You know, we're really using it as a recruiting tool that whoever gets into Hopkins has earned it. Yeah. And it's really, it's a privilege to be a part of the student body here. And we have used that as kind of a motivational tool with some of our recruits that you've earned your spot here and you're smart enough to be here. And sure. then now we're gonna have a team of uh, really student smart athletes. Players. Yeah, <laughs> smart players with student athletes that should take some pride in being at Hopkins because it is truly a unique, special place. You mentioned the centennial being a grind. This year feels like it's going to be a, a bigger grind than, yeah. than it has. Maybe five so many years ago we had four teams yeah. in the NCAA tournament, including Hopkins. It yeah. was a real tough top of the conference. Yeah. Feels like that's kind of returning this year. Yeah. Haverford should be good. Muhlenberg's good. Correct. Um, we, there's other squads in there that are going to be in the mix. Yeah. This isn't going to be a, a, a shy away conference. Nope. How do you get, as a new coach essentially, this team ready for that competition when either A, they've been listening to Nancy and how she preps them, and B, they don't know your point of view mm -hmm. on it all. Yeah, again, I think it, it goes back to what you can control. So defense, you know, you have to be competitive and have a have a little bit of a fire in you every time with every game on the defensive end. You're getting rebounds, you're boxing out, you're playing one-on-one -on -one defense with your player in a really competitive manner. Uh, offensively, we're taking it slow. You know, you, like you said, Haverford returned their whole team. Yeah. Muhlenberg returned the majority the of their team. Gettysburg returned <laughs> the their whole team. team. Yeah, it's a theme. <laughs> yeah, you know, Dickinson will be strong again too, and it's it's going to be a grind. So it's really about maintaining expectations and not getting too high and not getting too low, but staying in the middle and knowing what you can control. Your history in, in, in working your way up, of course, uh, a D3 student athlete yourself. Yep. yep. Is there, is there an ultimate goal in mind for you? Some coaches want to say, yeah, we're going to go for conference championships and national yeah. championships. But yeah. as a D3 student athlete, you kind of have a different point of view on it. Is there is the goal different? Is it, is it always about the, the trophy case? Yeah. Or is it about something else? I think here at Johns Hopkins, you're always expecting a national championship. Other teams do it here. You can see it happen. You know, our soccer program, women's soccer program was just an Elite Eight game. Men's soccer is 16. So national championship is in the conversation at Johns yeah. Hopkins. Are we there? this year probably not sure so again we're maintaining what we can control which is building defense building team camaraderie and starting to build what Johns Hopkins women's basketball looks like have you been able to touch into the past Nancy has Nancy talked with you at all or has that been able to give you a, uh, your own opportunity to just kind of move forward yeah you know during the transition coach Funk and I met a couple times in the office which was really <laughs> excellent and I got to hear a lot about her history here Got to hear which alums she really connects with, which alums are still really strong in connection with our program. 
And again, that history, I mean, you read her bio and it's inspiring oh, yeah. Yeah. to be a female coach for 31 years in basketball with 500 and what is it, 36 Some, wins? Yeah, pretty high. Yeah, uh, it's really inspiring. And we had some alums here the other day and her spirit is definitely here. Sure. She's, she's not here physically. Hard but, to miss. Yeah, but she'll be here for a couple games. Uh, curious, since you know the gymnasium, did you go to the wrong bench on your first home game? <laughs> it was, it was, you know, it did feel a little weird the first game, so that was strange, uh, but it worked out well. We won that one. Well, I appreciate you taking time to yeah, talk about thanks. the team, talk about the program and the, and the transition. We look forward to seeing where the yeah. Blue Jays go from here and, yeah. uh, and taking your time. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? I always thank you. I think you're <laughs> incredible. I think you ask great questions and you give a platform to Division Three basketball, which I really appreciate and we need more of. But, well, thank you. But you're good at it. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's just a hobby. Yeah. It's just a hobby. It's a good one. Thanks. <laughs> Catherine Bixby, head coach at Johns Hopkins Women's Basketball. I want to thank both the Hopkins staffs, uh, coaching staffs and the behind-the-scenes staffs for helping us out. When we come back, plenty more hoops on this Sunday night. Welcome back to Gold. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to the WBCA-NABC Studios. I am your host, Dave McHugh. We're back live here on the show. I want to thank our Hopkins friends for that uh, opportunity with Josh Loeffler and Catherine Bixby. Also, they jumped behind, jumped through some hoops behind the scenes earlier today when I didn't know if those interviews were going to get pulled off. We had some challenges with them, to say the least. But, ah, technology. Even 15th season on Hoops, so we're constantly being challenged by technology, aren't we all? Um, so if we have any questions, this is your last chance, the last about 15 minutes or so of the show. 
to get us questions. We'll be happy to take them. Um, drop us a line, as it were, um, and we'll do our best to answer those questions. If you uh, have anything else you want to ask us, uh, fire it our way. We'll do our best to answer it. Um, we had one email we will get to in a moment about um, coaching trees, which I thought was interesting. I don't have a great answer for it right now, but it certainly got me up talking or thinking about it. Um, also some other stuff, so uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But you can tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville as well. I know you're, we're simulcasting there. I'm trying to keep track of any uh, comments that might be coming in. Uh, listening from Maine, want to thank our friends who are doing so um, and whatnot. So thanks for coming uh, on the show and tuning in. Of course, our, our live stream is going through YouTube primarily. It's Thanksgiving weekend. It's not like we're expecting hundreds of you, but we know that more and more of you watch the show. So if you are a fan of the show, please tell your friends about the show and tune in. We are on pretty much every Thursday and Sunday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. We do have some scheduling challenges coming up, as we mentioned in pregame or in pre-show. Whenever that part of the show was that we went on the air at the beginning, that's what I'm referring to. Um, this week, I am traveling to soccer championships, play-by-play -play for both men's and women's soccer championships. I will be traveling on Thursday. Either we're going to be crazy and do a show that evening for my hotel room, which I highly doubt, or we'll put a show together and have it launched that evening, um, which we've done many a time. Then on Sunday, we should be back in time. I thought I could get some of the trip done on Saturday night. I'm not going to be able to. So we're going to have to travel back on Sunday. Hopefully we'll be back in time to put a show on Sunday night. Uh, then we should be good the next week. Then we're in Salem for the ba uh, for football, which means that Thursday show in Salem, we've debated every once in a while, said, no, maybe we can put a show on while we're here. And then I think wiser of it. I think I'll think wiser of it. We won't have a show, but then we'll be back in town to get the show following that. And then we'll do the Thursday before Christmas. Unless we look at the schedule and just don't see enough games going on. But I suspect we'll have enough to talk about at that point in time. So that's kind of our schedule. Then June 4th hits, and we are nonstop. Every Sunday, every Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern time, the rest of the way. And the two exceptions being Super Bowl Sunday, we do an earlier show, so we don't interfere with the game. And Marathon, which looks like it's going to be Thursday, February 1st this year. We go on at 10 a.m., until 10 p.m. So a little different on that show. Um, crazy week, as we said, in Division Three basketball. I was just looking at scores today. Augustana got past McMurray, no surprise. I was watching the Williams-Yeshiva game. Because in the first half, Yeshiva was kind of with Williams for a long time. Now, Williams went on a bit of a run late in the half that kind of extended it. But Williams only won that game by 13. Yeshiva's been kind of coming along a little bit the last couple of years. So certainly uh, kind of a, a hat off to them. But I don't know if Williams wasn't ready for the game or what. But I didn't expect – I expected Yeshiva to lose. Nothing against Yeshiva. Williams is number three in the country. Yeshiva's not on anybody's voting ballot. I didn't expect it to be a 13-point game. Uh, by the way, if you're watching the video wondering why it keeps blocking out, uh, I've got a bit of a cold going on. My daughter's had a cold for a month, and I've had to – Wipe my eyes a little bit and such. Um, Babson lost to Bowden. We mentioned that earlier. At least it was a nine-point game. Um, looks like Commondale's struggling a little bit at the start of the season with his new role. I think the team's still coming together. I think Babson's still going to be dangerous. But I'll be moving him down my top 25. I know some voters will move him out. I'm not sure where I'll move him to specifically. Heck, I, 
I actually do have my preseason top 25 ballot in front of me. And remember, I do blog that out every week, though this week's going to be tough. I will do my best to get it out. I had Babson six. We'll see. And that's a little low. They're not going to stay there. Middlebury got a win over Endicott. I like how Middlebury started this season. They, they're certainly playing well. Again, that crazy loss from Wash U to Mount St. Joseph today by 22. Mount St. Joseph put 96 on Wash U today. Just odd. Marietta continues to play well. Christopher Newport lost to Dickinson. We forgot to mention that earlier tonight. Um, Christopher Newport is struggling. Their their backcourt is certainly struggling. Um, they're three and one, but the th- the they they barely got past Randolph Macon. They barely got past Catholic. They were losing at halftime at that game. They then beat Wilmington. This is their first loss of the season. They've got Salisbury and Frostbury ahead in conference play. And then St. Mary's and Wesley. They got four CAC games coming up here in the next couple of weeks. And then Virginia Wesleyan. I'm not sure what to think of Christopher Newport right now. Very per- per- perplexing. Rochester barely got past Stockton. We mentioned that. Emory put 102 up on Maryville. That certainly caught my attention today. Lycoming got past Penn College. No surprise there. We mentioned the Scranton loss earlier, and Swarthmore got past Misericordia rather easily. By the way, there's a game going on right now. St. Joseph's of Maine is hosting Southern Maine. Uh, it's not really that close, uh, but it is going on right now. So I'm curious what's going to go in the top 25. I had Whitman number one. I have Augustana number two. That's not going to change. Williams is number three. That's not going to change. Ramapo was four. Not sure what to do with the Roadrunners after they got smoked by Randolph-Macon in a very well-played game by the Yellow Jackets. I'll probably move them down a little bit because they can't afford those kinds of games. North Central looks good. Augustana's going to stay, too, despite losing Warford. They, they lost Warford last year and played well. Uh, Babson's going to move down. I have Middlebury sitting seven. Hanover sitting eight. They lost to Worcester today, or this weekend, I should say. And River Falls, Washu, St. John's, Whitewater, Tufts, Tufts. You know, it's it's a it's going to be tough. Guilford's two and two. I had him. I had him seventeen. CMS. I had nineteen. They're off to an zero and four start. It, it's a fascinating situation in this top twenty-five, and and we'll we'll see what we make of it. Um, again, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com uh, in the next ten minutes or so for any last-minute questions. Um, I'll be fascinated to see how the other voters think this top 25 through, because I think it's going to be crazy. Uh, I got a question from the side. Um, if you're going to move Ramapo down, who's moving up? There's nobody. Well, I, that's the thing is, how far do I move Ramapo down? Listen, right now, I'd move Ramapo down and, and swap him at least with North Central. North Central will move into my four slot, most likely. Ramapo at least moves to five. I might move Middlebury above Ramapo, so that puts Middlebury five, and that now moves Ramapo to six. But then the question becomes, I, I can't move him behind Babson. Maybe Hanover, but Hanover, they both have bad losses. So in that theory, I keep Ramapo ahead of him. So Ramapo at least is probably going to stay six at this point. I don't see anybody deep in my poll moving up. Washu certainly not going to move up. I don't think River Falls is going to move up. So, yeah, Ramapo will move down, but maybe at worst to six. And they can't go any further. That's an absolute, absolute truth there um, from one of my colleagues. Uh, how far can I really move Ramapo? And it's not that I don't think Ramapo's good. I do think Ramapo's good. They just have these moments where I'm perplexed. And I look at them going, guys. Now, they ran into a Randolph-Macon team that maybe was on a buzzsaw that, that night. 
I got told that the Yellow Jackets put it on a clinic. They shot the ball well. We knew that. Maybe I don't hang that on Ramapo that much. That said, it's those kinds of games that happen to him in the NCAA tournament all the time. And it, it makes it hard to vote for him as a result of that. Um, or have confidence in him. Not vote for him, but have confidence in him. I like what they have. They had a tremendous season last year. If anybody remembers, coming out of, of the D3Hoops.com Classic, I was high on Ramapo. It was one of the first times I left Vegas going, McBreen's got a team here. And I felt good about them. They didn't make many changes at midseason, which they were known to do. And I rode them hard. And then they flamed out in the second round. And, and it's just, you, it's frustrating because you know how good this team could be. And they just seem to have these games, ill times. So the Randolph-making game just, it brings up these, oh, here we go again moments that you hope they're getting past. Maybe they are. Maybe everybody, as I said earlier on, with everybody testing each other and playing tougher and tougher opponents, maybe yeah, you just got to get used to some of these losses, to be blunt. And with parity, we got to get used to these losses. It's not like Randolph-Macon's a bad team. Randolph-Macon's a good team. They, they, they did very well last year. I was told by those close to the program that they were probably a year ahead of themselves. So I expect good things from the Yellow Jackets this year. But if Ramapo is my number four team in the country and Randolph-Macon's not on my top 25, that game shouldn't be a blowout. Maybe I'm getting a little too in detail on it. Maybe I'm getting a little too microscopic, as it were. Well, that's what I'll do when I look over everything. But, yeah, Ramapo's not going to fall very far because there isn't many people to put them behind him. Oh, North Central lost twice. Thank you. Ryan Scott's listening to the show, and thank you, Ryan. Mike Gold is affecting me. I forgot that North Central had lost twice. I had mentioned that earlier, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, I can't move by North Central, can I? <laughs> oh, the, the trick the fan, I think, still kind of got me a little slow here. So, yeah, worst case, Ramapo is still in my top five. And, again, I, I still think they're a good team. It's just these, these losses frustrate me. They, 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 they confuse me. I can't wait to see them in Vegas yet again. They'll play Stevens Point, and I believe off the top of my head, um, they might be playing Whitman. I, I don't remember if they are playing Whitman. Uh, we'll look them up here as we speak. Uh, so I, I look forward to seeing how they match up. I don't know how that Stevens Point game is going to match up. I'm curious what Stevens Point is going to look like by that point. Um, they'll take on Central. Not the oh, and, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I've got them confused with Whitman. They're taking on Ohio Wesleyan and Central. I'm looking forward to the Ohio Wesleyan game. The Central game could be interesting for Ramapo. I wanted to see Ramapo take on Whitman. We're not getting that. Stevens Point is playing Whitman, and that's the game I had a little confused there. But again, we'll see the Roadrunners in, in Vegas. Look forward to seeing them. Coming up, they got Medgar Evers and Mont Montclair State, Stockton, then Rutgers, Newark, Kane, Farmingdale State, Yeshiva. So they don't have a lot of games ahead except for some in conference that are going to give us any kind of barometer as to where they are. I think the Stockton game is worth keeping an eye on. Maybe the Montclair State game. Rutgers-Newark is certainly going to be an interesting one. They don't play TCNJ until January, excuse me, January 6th, so we don't see that one. And you don't see New Jersey City until the 13th of January. So Ramapo still got a lot of their tests kind of ahead of them before we really dive into this one uh, to full bore, as it were. Uh, quickly checking to see if we have any other emails uh, before I dive into the one email I did get. Also checking to see if anybody's made any comments on our Facebook simulcast or on our YouTube stream uh, before we dive into this. Again, that's how you can interact with us, though it's hard. We do our best. 
uh, to keep up with everybody who may be tuning in. Uh, so the email I got, uh, let's see, here it is. It says, Davidson College Basketball Hoops Pipeline. Congratulations on 20 years of D3 Hoops coverage. Thank you. We'd lo- love to pick your brain. This is to Pat as well, and I'll send it to Pat's way. I don't know how much Pat would have an opinion. I'll send it to all my guys, but to be honest with you here, Peyton. Peyton sent it from us. Uh, I'll, send it, I'll send it on to um, all of our guys and see what they would say on this. Um, he says, uh, I'd love to pick your brain on coaching pipelines in D3. I'm sure there may be someone that I'm unaware of for sure. But is there someone that comes to mind that matches or beats Bob McClillop? Sorry for the my cold is affecting me there. From Davidson, uh, Jason. He, from that, he says Jason Zimmerman at Emory, Land, Landry Kozmowski at Swarthmore, Tim Sweeney at Hobart, and Chris Murphy at Union. Yes, I think we have a couple of of coaching trees in Division Three that are definitely worth watching. I I I know you have Tim Sweeney in there from Hobart. I might argue that Tim Sweeney really comes from the Mike Near tree. He played under Mike Near and then he coached under Mike Near before. About uh, being under um, McKillop. Um, so I would argue, I don't know, is Sweeney really a Bob or a Mike category there? But Mike Neer's coaching tree is pretty good. We we talked to uh, Tom Palumbo on the last Hoopsville from Guilford. If you look at his coaching tree, it's not too bad either. A lot of his players have become very successful coaches. Uh, so that's certainly one to keep an eye on. Dave Hickson's coaching tree, folks. Take a look at that one. If you really want to go in deep, there are a lot of coaches that have had some kind of interaction with Dave Hickson um, as well, including the assistant coach he has now that used to be the head coach at WNL. You now have a head coach at at Muhlenberg that is a Hickson. You have a couple other in the Northeast that are Hickson related. So there are a couple of Division Three coaching pipelines, and I'm not even hitting the the a lot there's a couple more um believe it or not the fun one that i like is the pat cunningham one uh mike mcgrath at chicago was an assistant under pat cunningham pat cunningham has had other coaches unfortunately one that's out of the coaching right now or at least not in the college coaching there's others out there who have some some pretty fun trees that that are worth keeping an eye on for sure nothing against bob at davidsonville at davidson you know zimmerman and and kosmalski and Murphy certainly good. I I, I I caution about Sweeney. I almost want to. Know, I I think that's a Mike Near tree. To be honest with you, um, he says maybe missing someone after living in Atlanta for almost ten years become a big D three hoops fan for sure. I appreciate the email. I will forward it on to the rest of the guys to see what they think. Um, there are some great coaching trees in Division three, and and Dave Hickson is one that comes to mind. Like I said, Mike Near comes to mind. Um, uh, and others that I've met, mentioned, uh, I don't know. I Something tells me. I don't know if we keep Sweetie in that tree or we put him in Mike Near's tree. But it's a good question. And I've thought about that of late. Um, there's even trees of, of the schools. Now look at Jim, look at Hopkins. Jim Valvano coached at Hopkins. Bill Nelson coached at Hopkins. Look who Bill Nelson has coached. Um, there's some fascinating trees and in, in interwovens. And, of course, you know, we always talk about the guys who've gone up to now the NBA. It's it's hard to miss the the impact that they have had by being D three student athletes or coaches themselves. Um, even even GMs now, or at least in the front office with a D three background, and that's what makes D three so great. It's it's that these guys have 
something about the game and something about who they are that is different than D1. You don't see GMs who are D1 players all that often. You don't see coaches who are D1 players all that often. It happens. Of course it happens. The head of USC is a D3 coach. So, you know, that's why covering Division Three is so much fun. It, we have a passion for it, and this is why, because we see so many great student-athletes who come out of these um, come out of the mix, as it were, in Division Three. Quickly checking to see uh, any questions here. Lots and lots of movement on my D3 hoops ballot this week. Uh, voter I see, and he's on the women's side. He doesn't even know what a lot of movement is. I don't know if Connor is listening, but Connor, you got it easy, to be blunt. You got it easy on the women's side. And and then that's the thing is there's even parity on the women's side. At least I don't vote in both polls. I would I mean I would love to someday maybe vote in both polls because I find the process very enlightening for me to keep track of what's going on in division 3. But that said, I'm glad I don't vote on the women's poll because I do enough work on the men's and this year the women's poll could be full of 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 uh parity this year. Um so we'll see what happens uh, with a poll tomorrow. Again, comes out usually late afternoon, early evening, depending on when our voters remember to come off their Thanksgiving break and get back into the voting. And we'll see what they have to say on that vote uh, on both the men's and women's polls. Um, Tufts women look good. I mean, I don't think the top's the tough part on the women's side. It's it's the middle and bottom. And you could argue that the middle and bottom is what's going to be hard in the men's side tomorrow as well. That's going to wrap it up again. We will do our best to do a show on uh, Thursday in some capacity, whether it's a, a podcast version like our preseason where we just make it easy and throw an audio show together for you, or uh, maybe a video combined, try and edit some stuff together if we can. Um, worst case scenario, try and do a show from our hotel room in Greensboro, North Carolina, but I, I, I'm not holding my breath. I'm trying not to bring as much gear as I can. In the meantime, we'll be back on the air for Sunday for sure. So Thursday, there will be a show. We'll just figure out how to put it together. This week, look for the first top 25 votes um, or ballots or polls or whatever you want to call them coming out on Monday for the first one in season. And don't forget, we pretty much go all but uh, about a two weeks in Christmas. Uh, is about the only time we don't vote. It is the 20th um, birthday, as it were, for D3Hoops.com. So happy birthday once again to Pat Coleman. Uh, Gordon Mann and, and they're like, Gordon has been involved, I think a little longer than I have technically. I think I technically came on board 2000 or 2001 and Gordon was on board in about 2000 or 19, 1999 as Pat puts it. Um, so hats off to Gordon for sure for his yeomanship and Pat's right. I, I, Gordon did a lot of heavy lifting that people don't realize. It's now more on his shoulders officially than it used to be. And I certainly try and help him. Ryan Scott certainly tries to help him. I'll freely admit I didn't feel like I helped much in the last couple of days. I tried to spend some time with the family, but I know that I'm transitioning into less time with the family now uh, and Gordon and, and the like and same with Ryan. But in the meantime, uh, if it's not for Pat Coleman starting that website, I don't. I would argue you don't have Hoopsville, plain and simple. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's an easier way to say that because – I wouldn't have seen D3Hoops.com as, as, a, as a fan of my alma mater who's doing well in the NCAA tournament. I don't see them get hosed, for lack of a better description, uh, by the NCAA committee. 
Uh, so I don't post on the boards. I, I, I certainly don't go after Catholic because of Pat and so on and so forth. So, And then I don't sit there at an online radio station, which was well ahead of the curve before the tech bubble, and say, hey, let me put a show together. And, and so then I don't have this show that I end up bringing back to my alma mater for a few years and then coming to these studios. It just doesn't. I don't see how it evolutionarily happens if I don't get involved in, in at least looking at D3Hoops.com. And I think Gordon would tell you the story that he doesn't get involved with D3Hoops.com if Pat doesn't make a phone call asking him for, for a score of a game that Gordon thought was ridiculous. Why would anybody call him? And Ryan would probably tell you he's not involved if it's not for a website. So if it all boils back to Steve Ulrich having a website that he's apparently not maintaining. I don't know, Steve. We haven't heard your side of the story. And then Pat taking over. And again, this show is here because of that. And as a result, it's presented by D3Hoops.com as well. And of course, we have wonderful partners, WBCA and the NABC now because of that. And we love our partnerships with them. We look forward to more partnerships in the near future, including this season. So while we are celebrating our 15th season on air on Hoopsville, Pat is celebrating the 20th year and 21st season of d3hoops.com and i can't imagine can you i, I just can't imagine division three we know other sports that don't get this coverage football gets it basketball gets it ice hockey gets it to some degree baseball gets it there's a little bit for soccer there's a little bit for lacrosse but nothing dedicated for division three in lacrosse there's really not much in volleyball there's really not much in field if anything in field hockey Softball doesn't really have much that I'm aware of. Swimming doesn't. They may have something. Wrestling. You start figuring this out, and you realize this is a, a good thing. This helps promote what we love about student-athletes in Division Three. It's all because a website wasn't updated, and Pat decided to dive in. The best part of that story is Pat thought it was only going to be a couple hours a week doing this. It's not even a couple hours a night anymore. <laughs> but thanks to Pat, and thanks to D3Hoops.com, and thanks to you, the fans, for tuning in, because you fans are the reason we keep doing the show. If there was absolutely no interest in doing this show, we wouldn't do it if we didn't have people tuning in, asking us questions, et cetera. And we certainly wouldn't do it if we didn't have help from the sports information directors out there, and we didn't have help from uh, coaches who are willing to come on, and in the future, student-athletes who are willing to come on. That has helped us do this show. And look, you see the set behind us, folks. We don't have these jerseys. We don't have books. We don't have memorabilia if it wasn't for you. And so thank you, because if you weren't there, this effort wouldn't be worth it. So thank you very much. That's going to do it for us. I'm going to sign off. Thanks to Pat Coleman for tuning in and joining us talking about the 20th birthday of D3Hoops.com. Thanks to Tim Sweeney at Hobart for talking about his statesman and then having an internal battle between whether he wants him to hold on to the ball or not. Also, thanks to Josh Loeffler and Leffler. Josh Leffler. By the way, I misspoke about that earlier. It's Leffler. I said that on the show earlier. I apologize, Josh. Found out after the fact that I had completely botched it, and I just botched it again trying to remember how to say it right. It's Leffler. Imagine the O's not there. Thank you to Josh Leffler and Catherine Bixby from uh, Hopkins. I keep wanting to say Dixon. Uh, Dick, uh, Dickinson. I'm so used to talking to Catherine Bixby at Dixon. She's at Hopkins. And I want to thank the Hopkins um, Sports Information staff Ernie and Jill are great, and they're wonderful every time we come down there, and they were wonderful yet again this time, and I thank them for taking the time. We'll be back on the air in some capacity next Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your support. 
Thanks to D3Hoops.com for being the presenting sponsor and, of course, to WBCA and NABC uh, for helping us with our studio. You've been listening to Hoopsville. Once again, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and NABC studios. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back on Thursday. Good night.